put a message on my heart this evening to talk about you are unsinkable. You are unsinkable. God, through his amazing son, Jesus Christ, has given you all the things that you need. He's empowered you through everything that you will need to become what he's created you to be. There's nothing that can come against you and win to keep you from your God-given destiny. God has called you to fulfill your race and through his son, Jesus, and what he did for you on the cross, he's given you the power to rise above anything that you will ever face. Nothing can keep you from your God-given destiny. In 2 Peter 1 through 3, 1 3, it says this, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. This power was given to us through knowledge of the one who called us by his own glory and integrity. I wanna read that again. God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. This power was given to us through knowledge of the one who called us by his own glory and integrity. In other words, no matter what God's given you to do, he has given you the grace and empowerment to do it. No devil in hell, no adversity, no injustice, no sickness or disease can keep you from experiencing what God has called you to do. He will, let, he will cause you to live out your full days and you will bear the fruit he wants you to bear. Romans 8, 8 37 through 39 says this, yet amid, amid all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. For I am persuaded beyond doubt and sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things impending and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God has called us to live victorious lives and through his son, we can rise above anything that comes against us. There's nothing that can come against us and keep us from what God has for us including his love, his forgiveness, his acceptance. The Apostle Paul experienced enormous adversity in his own life after becoming a Christian. He was persecuted immensely by those trying to stop him from fulfilling his God-given destiny and preaching the good news to people in his generation. He faced shipwrecks, beatings. He was imprisoned. He faced... Um, people in his ministry that turned their backs on him and spread lies about him and tried to stop what God, the good work that God was doing through his ministry. If there was anybody who had a right to be ripped off in life and angry and bitter and upset, it was the Apostle Paul. But what you find in his life is this, he lived an overcoming life. He was filled with joy, with peace, with love, with kindness, with a great confidence in God because his confidence was not in himself, but in Jesus Christ. He kept his eyes fixed on Jesus. He was buoyant. He, no matter what trials, tried to pull him under the water. 
so to speak. He kept rising to the top because his empowerment was in the person of Jesus Christ. So why are so many Christians today living far below their God-given, their God-given potential? They're, they're living, but they're not truly living. In one sense, they're at the bottom of the sea, just, just trying to ex make it in life, but they're not filled with joy. They're not filled with peace. They're not filled with a confidence and hope in Christ that, they're, that they can live the overcoming victorious life. Maybe that's you tonight. You're listening, watching online, or maybe here in the audience. You feel ripped off. You feel frustrated and defeated because of things that have happened to you in your past. And instead of being filled with hope and peace, you find yourself discouraged, frustrated, maybe even been out of shape because of the mistreatment you've endured. I believe God's causing you to listen to this message because he wants you to know that you're unsinkable, that no matter what has come against you and what you're facing right now, through Christ's power, you can rise above that difficulty and you can float in the most horrendous of storms of life because you have a peace that surpasses all understanding that's in Christ. Your confidence in him makes you unshakable, unsinkable. I'm amazed by these massive ships in the world today that are traveling all over the globe on the, the massive oceans. They're massive hunks of metal, cities on the sea. The Titanic being one of them weighed 52,310 tons or 104,620 pounds, 620,000 pounds, excuse me. The largest cruise ship in our world made by Royal Caribbean is the Symphony of the Seas, and it weighs 230,000 tons or 460 million pounds, over four times what the Titanic weighed. And yet these massive ships weighing an unbelievable amount of weight are floating with hundreds, if not thousands of people on them, floating cities. So what keeps these behemoths of metal on top of the water? It actually has to do with science. The air that is inside a ship is much less dense than water. That's what keeps it floating. As a ship is set in water, it pushes down and displaces an amount of water equal to its weight. If the average density of the ship is ever greater than the density of water, then the ship will sink. That's why it's critical for ships to keep water from getting on the inside. You see, if water gets on the inside of a ship, no matter how advanced it is, and there's enough water that gets in, it causes the density of that boat to change and it can sink. But if the, if a ship can keep water from getting on the inside, no matter what storm it's in, no matter how big the waves or how hard the wind is blowing, that ship remains unsinkable. The Christian, uh, I wanna back up a second. So the unsinkable ship, the Titanic, the Titanic, it was set on its 
maiden voyage. It was, people considered it unsinkable. They had such confidence in the engineering of this massive boat, the largest boat at that time to ever be built and sail on the ocean. And it left on April 10th, 1912 on its maiden voyage from Southampton, England to New York City. Just four days after it left, it was on the coast of Newfoundland. It was off the coast of Newfoundland, Newfoundland and it hit an iceberg. And the iceberg hit multiple times along the side of the ship and it created massive holes in the ship. Ultimately causing the Titanic, the unsinkable Titanic, to sink to the bottom of the sea. You see, the Christian life is a lot like ships floating on the open ocean. We experience violent storms or difficulties in our lives, just like ships have to navigate the open waters of a sea. And if we as Christians can keep out negative mindsets from getting in and contaminating our spirits, our inner man, we can remain unsinkable, full of confidence in God and our trust is in God no matter what comes against us. And there will be storms that come against you. There will be injustice that comes across your path. There, you may face sickness. You may face the death of a loved one that causes you to question the goodness of God. No matter what it is that you're facing, maybe even right now, the loss of a loved one, or maybe you're going through the most difficult trial of your life. You've, your marriage has ended and you feel like you just can't go on wherever you're at. Christ wants you to know that with his help, he can keep you from sinking to the bottom of the ocean. You see, Peter found himself in a difficult spot. He and the disciples, they had gone out on the Sea of Galilee. They had just finished ministering and Jesus dismissed them and said, go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. It was an eight mile journey rowing across the Sea of Galilee. And while they were in the middle of the lake, heavy winds and big waves came. And it was a terrifying experience. And Jesus looked at them and saw that they were struggling. And so he came to them walking on water. And they were terrified, but Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, if it's really you, call me out to come to you. And Jesus said, come. And so Peter got out of the boat and started walking towards Jesus. And as long as he kept his eyes fixed on Jesus, he stayed above the water. But the moment he got his eyes off Jesus and onto the problem, the storm, the wind, the waves, fear gripped him. And he started sinking down into the depths of the sea. And he cried out to Jesus, Jesus, save me, help. And Jesus grabbed him by the hand and pulled him up. And Jesus said, you of little faith. You see, if Peter would have just kept his eyes on Jesus, his assurance, his confidence in the one who had him in the palm of his hand, he could remain unsinkable. That's a powerful lesson for all of us. You see, when we keep trusting God, trusting in his goodness, trusting in his faithfulness, trusting in his love, his kindness, his mercy, we remain buoyant. We remain 
like able to stay on top of the water, so to speak. But when our eyes get off of Jesus and onto our circumstances, we start getting disoriented and we begin to sink in life. We were never meant to carry these negative mindsets that so many of us, they get on the inside of us and they build strongholds, fear, anxiety, doubt and unbelief, bitterness, offense, fleshly anger, unforgiveness, resentment, rage, lust, jealousy, and comparison. All of these things, if they get on the inside of us and they start consuming our minds, they can keep us from experiencing God's best. They can take us way off course. You see, I experienced almost all of these on my own journey. I was a hurting person in life as a Christian. I'd been a Christian for years. And yet I did not know how to fight back against these lies I, that I came to believe about myself and others through the things I went through. And I, the enemy had me right where he wanted me, confused, defeated, hopeless and helpless, just not living life to the fullest, what Christ died to give me, but just going through the motions, just existing in life with no real significance or purpose. That was right where Satan wanted me. He was out to seek, kill, and destroy me. First Peter 5, 8 says this, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I was hurting, so I hurt people. Have you ever heard this phrase, hurting people hurt people? That was me. If you, if you scratched at a wound in my life, what came out was not pretty. You didn't experience a loving, kind Corey. You experienced a fleshly Corey that was swinging at whoever he could reach because I was hurting. You see, my parents went through a difficult divorce when I was 16 years old. I had envisioned staying together our, our whole life, our family being together, and one day it was ripped apart. And I remember the day my dad moved out of our home, and I was angry, and I was bitter, and I was hurt and wounded. And I cast all the blame on my dad, and I held unforgiveness in my heart toward him for years. The very week my dad moved out of our home, I was sexually abused by someone we trusted to provide us comfort during that time. So I was hurting compound wounds on top of each other, and I did not know how to fully deal with that. And one day, as I was journeying along on my own journey with God, I felt like God put a dream in my heart to be a preacher and a teacher of God's word. And I tried to share it with, a fa with some family, and they didn't believe the dream that was in my heart but they believed in the dream that was in one of my other siblings. And to, to feel the pain of that wanting a parent to believe what's on the inside of me and not getting the affirmation or the approval, but watching one of my siblings get that validation and affirmation, it was enough to just rip me to pieces. And so I was hurt and wounded. And so I share all of that backstory to to share this next story I'm going to share. Because when you're hurting, you hurt other people. 
when you don't know how to deal with this stuff that gets on the inside of you, it causes you to sink down into bad places. And instead of being life-giving to people, you start hurting them instead. So there was one point of this story, I went through a really difficult financial collapse and I found myself back home and one of my brothers was also in a similar situation. Our industry that we worked in was destroyed during the 2008 economy collapse and I found myself, need, we, were, we needed work, but we couldn't find work so we started a business together doing landscape maintenance and landscape design. And um, I had a goal in this business to use it to, to not build some big business, but to use it to help me step into ministry. And my brother had a vision of building a big business. So right off the bat, we did not see eye to eye on our vision for the company. And so there, there was a couple different times where I was working, but I didn't want to kill myself working. So I would hear him say things to me like, you, know, you never work, you're not working, you're not working hard enough. And based off of what I experienced from my parents saying, validating this brother of mine, but not validating me, I had hurts and wounds there. So when he would say hurtful things to me, it sank into my heart and I found myself getting more and more upset. And one day we were at the kitchen table for breakfast and we were in one of these rants that we were in, this fighting, and he was saying some of these hurtful things to me, and it got onto the inside of me, and I could envision myself taking my cooked oatmeal that I just made for myself, running out to his car and plastering his car with oatmeal all over it, because that would make me feel much better. So in a moment of weakness, I envisioned doing this in my mind, and that vision became a reality. I ran outside after my brother, I couldn't catch him. So I threw this oatmeal all over his car. And for two seconds, it felt really good. It was like, that felt amazing. But then my reasoning caught up to me. I was like, that was the dumbest thing that I ever did. But I kept going through life a, a couple weeks or months later. And I found myself in another situation Similar, my brother and I were getting into an argument and I would hear him say things like, you don't, you don't ever work, you don't work hard, blah, blah, blah. And instead of envisioning throwing oatmeal on his car, I envisioned kicking his car door in because that would make me feel really good. And so I had envisioned this like probably for a couple weeks that I was gonna kick his car door in. And one day we were working together out on this job and it was very difficult and I caught a phone call from a friend of mine and I took the call and we talked for about 10 minutes on the phone and I could see him just getting upset, more upset with me. And looking back, I shouldn't have done that. Like we need to be respectful of each other's working and, and work hard or whatever. But in the moment, I didn't do that. So when he started saying these hurtful things to me, again, it got deep onto the inside of me and I started getting angry and I saw myself going over to his car door and I kicked it in. So. That's exactly what I did. I went over to his car and I went boom, boom, twice, two big kicks into his car door. And it put the biggest dent in the world in his car door. And then I ran off into the woods, upset, frustrated, what just happened. And my brother eventually came to me 
And I just said, you know what? I don't think we should be working together. <laughs> that was my solution. And, um, and I said, I definitely need to pay for this. And so I didn't have any money at the time. And I gave him my portion of the business. I said, I'll sell my portion of the business to you to pay this off. And it was one of the most humbling things that I went through. It was very painful for me and him. And the crazy thing about this is he said, you know, I forgive you. We'll settle this. I'll take your side of the business. And for three years, he never got the car door fixed. And for three years, he was an associate pastor at a church. And every Sunday, people would ask him, how'd you get your car door? How'd that, how'd that accident happen? He goes, let me tell you, my brother kicked the car door in. So it was the most humbling experience in the world for me to live with that for three years because of a consequence I made because I was hurting on the inside. And I remember crying out to God and I said, God, I don't want to be that person. When I'm under pressure and people do things to me, I don't want to respond out of the flesh that creates destruction wherever I go. Help me. What's the problem? And God began to teach me, Corey, he can't make you mad. You give that right away. You, you give that power away to him to make you upset. You see, when your value and worth, when you understand what I say about you, he can't hurt you. No matter what people say to you, because you know that your value and worth come from what I say about you. And I want you to know that I love you, I'm for you, and these wounds that you've believed about yourself, I want to begin healing those deep wounds in your heart so that you can go on and live a successful life that no matter what pressure you're under, what comes out of you is my love and mercy and kindness for other people. I encountered the God, the divine hole plugger, Jesus. He knows how to plug the holes in our hearts and in our lives so that we don't have these gaping wounds on the inside of us that are causing us to sink down deep into our flesh and we're hurting and then we hurt other people. He wants to mend and heal those wounds in our hearts so that we can rise above our flesh and the hurt that people do to us and we can look at people the way God sees people and we can respond in mercy and kindness and love and compassion. Isaiah 61.1 says this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the good news, uh, the, the gospel of good tidings to the meek and the poor and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted. God is the divine hole plugger. He came to mend and uh, bind up these holes on the inside of us so that we can go on and live life successfully. And no matter what storms, no matter what people do to us, what comes out of us is the love of God that transforms other people. You see, God began the plugging up process of my own life. He began to deal with me about the unforgiveness of my heart towards my dad. And he helped me make the decision to forgive. And it was like the biggest weight was just cut off of me. And I could see and feel my heart rising from deep within. 
what felt so dark at one point now, I began to feel lighter. I began to experience the hope and the joy of Jesus because I chose to respond to in obedience to God and what he asked me to do. I forgave my abuser, the person who abused me. And I began to look in through an, a lens of compassion instead of anger and resentment and hurt. And because I was able to do that, I've been flourishing in life. God began to teach me about my worth and my own personal value, that he died for broken people, hurting people, and he didn't want to leave me that way. But as I chose to believe the truth about what he says about me, I began to rise in confidence and boldness and courage to face all the difficulties I've gone through in life with God beside me, before me, and behind me, shielding me on every side that I'm hidden in the shadow of the Almighty. I also had to learn to forgive myself for the mistakes I had made. And when I did, it was amazing. It was like incredible peace came on the inside of me. And through all of this experience, God has birthed me a heart to want to help people because of the freedom that I have now experienced. So how do we begin plugging the holes in our boat, so to speak? These, these, peop, these wounds that we've experienced or the, the wrong injustices that happen against us, what do we do? Number one, we need to protect what we allow on the inside of us or down into our spirit. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Our thoughts determine the direction of our lives, so it's extremely important that we have our minds renewed. Don't just let anything into our hearts. It's extremely important what we allow to be inputted inside of us. You know, on the news today, there's so much division. I just find if you just turn the news on for any amount of time, it doesn't take long for your spirit to just start getting upset by what's happening. On social media, the same thing can happen. Or maybe there's a group of, of friends or an individual that you're hanging out with and it's created, um, it's causing you to turn away from God and towards other things that are not healthy for you. Whatever you're facing, God wants you to guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life. In Matthew 5, 29 through 30, Jesus says this, so if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your strong hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, if what is coming into you, if it's causing you to turn away from me or, some, or causing you to go after destructive behaviors, or if there's something that's hurting your spirit in some way, God wants us to cut it off. Or at the very least, if it's family that you can't get rid of, which is a good thing, you shouldn't get rid of your family, you can love them, but, but manage how much time you spend around them. Don't let them just poison your well 
where it gets on the inside of you and begins to affect you in a negative way. Number two, when we start believing right, we are plugging up holes in our boat. Every time we choose to believe the truth, regardless of the way we feel, regardless of what others have said about us, regardless of what you say about yourself, when you choose to believe the truth, you're plugging up holes that are taped the causing water to get into your boat and you're gonna rise to the surface because you're choosing to stand on the trustworthiness and faithfulness of God's word. In 2 Corinthians 10, four through five, it says this, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Inasmuch we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. When we, God has given us power through his Holy Spirit that when wrong mindsets have captivated our hearts and minds, maybe for years. He, the spirit of truth, will reveal to you truth about what you're believing and he's given you power to, to pull that lie down and to choose to believe the truth about who you are. You see, the battle is in the mind. If the enemy of our soul, the devil, can cause us to believe wrong thoughts, he can get us to get go in a wrong direction and keep us from experiencing God's best. I was a pawn in the enemy's hand for years because I just let whatever came into my mind or in my heart, these hurts, I just let them exist and be there. But when God through the Holy Spirit began to highlight these destructive patterns in my mind, he was like, Corey, I want you to pull that down and choose to believe the truth about what I say about you. And when you do, you're plugging up every one of those holes and you begin to rise on the inside through the power of God. And he's gonna cause you to begin walking on water. What lies have you begun to believe or have been believing about yourself? about others, about your family, maybe about who God is and what, you know, God wants you to have a proper perspective of who he is and what he's not. And when you seek him with all of your heart, the Holy Spirit leads you into truth that begins to set you free little by little by little. He's cutting off these weights that are holding you down. He's plugging up holes that the world, maybe even yourself have inflicted upon yourself. Philippians 4.8 says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, I had no clue that our thoughts were so important to God. Pay attention to what you're thinking about all day long. If you're depressed and negative, chances are you have depressed, negative thoughts just running through your mind. Do you know you don't have to, you can choose not to think on that. You can replace that with truth from God's word. And when you do, you can say, I don't care that this thought came into my mind. You're a lousy person. You're pathetic. You're no good. You're never going to mount tonight. You can say, no, I'm not receiving that today. Today, I'm going to receive I'm a child of the most high God. I'm equipped. I'm anointed. I'm powerful in God's sight because he has anointed me for the mission and assignment he has for me. I'm loved. I'm believed in. God has a good plan for my life. 
You can choose to fight back against those lies, which brings me to my third point. Put on the full armor of God and be doers of the word of God. When we put on the full armor, the enemy will come at you. He'll use hurting people to hurt, try to hurt you. And you have to put on your full armor every day so that you can fight back against his lies. And when you do, and you choose to put the word of God into practice in your life, it's amazing where God can take you. And it's amazing that no matter what storms you're facing, what difficulty you're going through, God will give you a supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding. And people will look at you and they'll think, there's no way on God's green earth that you should be smiling right now. There's no way on God's green earth that you should be joyful and filled with hope and peace because if I were in your shoes, I would be at the bottom of the sea filled with hopelessness. And see, that's the beauty of what Christ gives us as we trust him and are continue leaning upon him. He causes our light to shine in the most dark places on the planet. And you become a testimony of his grace in the middle of difficult times for people all around us. People are watching you. And when you grab a hold of God, his power is at work to draw people to himself. And he wants to use you. You might say, well, that's great, Corey. But I feel like a basket case today. I feel like I've made so many mistakes. I am in the most difficult situation. I have no clue which way's up. I'm at the bottom of the sea and it has spun me around in the dishwasher, so to speak. And I feel disoriented and I don't know how to get out of where I'm at. I'm completely stuck. Elisha in the Bible and this group of prophets, Elisha was teaching this group of prophets and they ran out of room in the space where they were meeting. And so they said to Elisha, can we go and cut down some trees at the Jordan River so that we can build a new place for us to meet because we've outgrown this space. And Elisha said, yes, that's great. I'll go with you. So they went down to the Jordan River and they began to cut down trees. And this one prophet was cutting down a tree and the ax head flew off the ax handle and flew into the Jordan River, the muddy, dirty Jordan River, never to be seen again. And it was this heavy piece of metal. There was no buoyancy to it. The density of the metal was far greater than water. It would never float. So he said, oh my gosh, this is a, this is a borrowed axe. Elisha, what do we do? And so the man of God took a stick and threw it in the direction of where the axe head, the axe head was. And as God caused that axe head to float to the surface on top of the water and they were able to grab the axe head, put it back on the axe and they continued on their way. The amazing thing about that story is it defies science. God did the impossible. Science says it can't float because the density of the metal is far greater than water, but God caused it to float to the surface. And I'm here tonight to tell you that no matter what you're facing, God can do the impossible in your life. You might feel like you're sunk at the bottom of the sea and there's no way on God's green earth that you could float again and rise above your set of circumstances. But I believe you're hearing this message that God can cause a, a chunk of metal to float 
that's impossible. He can cause your situation to work out to your advantage and to your good. It cause, the way that happens is if you'll trust him. You'll place your complete confidence and trust in him and say, God, I give you my life. I give you my broken pieces. I give you control, complete control. Do whatever you want with my life. And when you give him your life, he goes to work on your behalf. And he can take that nasty mess you're in and make something so beautiful that only God could possibly make happen. And you'll look back late, years later and you'll say, God, I can't even believe this is where I'm at today. But because you placed your trust in God and you steadfastly grabbed a hold of him with all of your heart, he causes you to rise again. <clears throat> you see, I have a friend that I met during a very difficult season of this man's life. He had been caught doing something wrong and he was in the... He was facing trial, but he hadn't gone to trial yet. And during that time, he was so scared, he started seeking God for the first time really in his life, and he gave his life to Christ. And I was preaching a message at this church that he just happened to come to that day. And he said, I've got to meet with you afterwards. So we met, and we became friends, and he started attending my Bible study that I was leading at that time. And he... Um, began to grow and excel in his walk with God while he was waiting to face trial. I went to his trial. He was found guilty and he went to jail for a couple years, two or three years, maybe a little bit longer. And while he was in prison, God continued that deep work in his life and he began ministering to other inmates offering them hope in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He knew he was guilty. There was no hiding it. But he put that negative situation in God's hands. While he was in jail, his wife divorced him, left him. Just a difficult situation all the way around. And when he got out of jail, eventually, he couldn't find work anywhere. But a pastor took him under his wing and said, I see potential in you. And he's been going to this church and this pastor was grooming him and saw God's hand on his life. And he began to preach and be part of this uh, church and he's still there today and God has a ministry in his heart to help broken people find hope in Jesus Christ and he goes out and he does these community events offering um, people that are filled with complete despair hope in a relationship with Jesus Christ I just spoke with him on the phone today and he's just thriving in life why? It's not because all his circumstances were great or because he did life all right. No, he made the decision. He was going to put everything, his mess, all the, the failures that he went through, and he was going to put it in God's hands. And when he did, he said, God, take my broken mess and make something beautiful from it. Today, he's remarried, has a beautiful family, and he's thriving. What seemed like a... a, a no way he could come up from that situation. He encountered the resurrection and the life, Jesus Christ. Jesus can cause dead things to rise again. And that's what he did in this man's life. <clears throat> or maybe you're thinking you're too far off course to get back on track. You have been a Christian for a long time, but now all of a sudden you're kind of going your own way. You've given God a try 
but now you want to go do your own thing. And you have kind of gotten off course. Jonah, a man of God in the Bible, was in that situation. Jonah, God called him to go preach to Nineveh and, and tell them, if you don't repent, disaster's coming. Well, Jonah didn't like what God was saying because he was afraid Nineveh, which was in Assyria at that time, the most powerful nation on earth at that time, and the, the most amazing city, the, a wealthy, prosperous city. And he, he did not want to go ask this great city to repent because he knew what they were doing to God's people and others. You see, the Assyrians were ruthless when they overcame and conquered a group of people. They were ruthless to them. And so he was angry at, this, at the Assyrians and Nineveh. And so instead of going and doing what God asked him to do, which was 550 miles from where he was living to Nineveh, he went in completely the opposite direction and was, got on a ship to Tarshish, which was 2,500 miles away from where he should be. So he was on course to do that. The Bible says that God caused a storm to come on the sea in this violent storm. And Jonah was down in the, in the, in the bottom of the ship sleeping. And the crew were like crying out to their false gods, spare us, save us, help us. And they finally went down and... Uh, uh, shook Jonah to waken him and he uh, he came to and he's like what and they're like pray to your God pray to your God maybe he'll listen why we're in this he goes well the reason we're in this situation is because I'm disobeying God I'm going in the completely the opposite direction of what God wants wants to do wants uh, me to do so if you throw me overboard the storm will stop and they're like throw you overboard, what? We're, we can't do that. Maybe God will be upset with us. He goes, no, if you throw me overboard, the storm will stop. So the crew was like, okay. They picked Jonah up and chucked him overboard. And the Bible says that the storm immediately stopped. But Jonah found himself out in the open ocean, looking like he's gonna die, looking like he has out of complete options. And this is what Jonah says in Jonah 2, 5 through 6. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. God had such mercy on Jonah he rescued him by sending a whale or a giant fish. Some experts try to figure out what that is. But he caused Jonah to survive in the belly of a whale for three nights and three days. And the Bible says that God commanded the whale to chuck him out on dry land. God was so merciful to Jonah. And he said to Jonah a second time, I want you to go to Nineveh. And I want you to preach to them because I want them to repent and turn towards me. What's beautiful about that story is that whole city from the king of the whole nation 
to all the royal officials. They all put on sackcloth and humbled themselves before the living God and they repented and God was merciful. God met Jonah in the, in the, in the deep of the sea and he spared his life so that he could fulfill the mission God had for him. And I believe there's some people here tonight that you feel like you've been washed up. Maybe you've made too many mistakes or that you've been off course and God's stirring your heart right now to come back to him. He has a Jonah experience for you. He wants to save you. He wants to show compassion and mercy to you because he sees what your life is in the future where you're helping bring people to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. When you place your hope and your trust in what Jesus has done for you, he can cause you to rise above every uh, failure, every wrongdoing, every difficulty that you are facing, and he will cause you to, to live victoriously and become, be an overcomer. And so, band, you can come up. You can come up. The Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. And I wanna encourage you to get back up tonight. Receive God's mercy, receive his grace. He wants you to know that he loves you. You've not made too many mistakes to receive his love or to fulfill your purpose. I like to, the, the illustration of a bobber for fishing. You see, a bobber for fishing when the fish bites the bait, the bobber goes under the water. But as soon as it, the pressure from the line stops, the bobber comes straight back up again. And so sometimes the devil pulls us under the water. It's, we, we're a little disoriented. Or maybe we fall down and we make some mistakes. The beautiful thing about God's mercy and his grace, it's not there to, so you can live a sloppy life, but we're all gonna fall short of God's perfection. And his power is there to lift you back up, to stay on top of the water when you're pulled down, a bobber. God's here. He wants to, to plug up the holes, some of these wounds that you've experienced tonight. He's here to, to mend the broken areas of your heart. He's here to encourage you and strengthen you to hear his voice and say there's more for you to do. God's not done with you. He loves you. He's for you. He has a plan and a purpose. And as you give him your life, your, your, your little pieces of your life, he'll make something beautiful out, out of it. So right now, what we're going to do, we're going to go into a time of prayer.